Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Stories, brought to you by Kiosk M1C. Kiosk M1C is the voice of Lower Stable Street and has curated all shops, events, and exhibitions on Lower Stable Street since Cold Drop Shard first opened back in 2018. Their mission has been to support new businesses and provide an environment in which they can thrive and grow. I'm Maria Hanlon, and in each episode, I'll be finding out the real stories of how these businesses have developed and how the community has helped shape their journey. In episode 18, I was joined by Nicole, who is the founder of Ray. Ray is a one-stop shop for all your gifting needs, perfect for this time of year. And I have some good news. Ray is opening a celebration store in Kiosk on Lower Stable Street, just in time for your Christmas shopping. It was clear to see Nicole's passion for supporting small businesses, and it was really interesting to hear how she decided on which brands to stock and to hear more about her journey so far. I am definitely going to be popping into the store for some Christmas presents, which opens on December the 7th. Right, that's quite enough from me. Let's hear from Nicole. This is episode 18 with Nicole from Ray. So Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Could you start by telling me your role at Ray? Thanks so much for having me. Um, So my role at Ray is being the founder. So I launched Ray uh, about two and a half years ago. Um, So yeah, I look after everything, operations, brand sourcing, um, less fun, but also fun bits. Yeah, definitely. So basically you're the boss. Love that. And what is Ray for people that don't know? So Ray, first of all, stands for a ray of sunshine, which um, to us means shining light on uh, different brands. So it's a traveling pop-up grocery store uh, where we showcase all sorts of innovative food, drink, wellness, and sometimes beauty brands as well. You have so many amazing products and we're going to talk about them in a bit. But first of all, could we start at the very beginning? So how did the Ray journey first begin? Take me right back. It actually started probably about six years ago now where I was thinking about a concept being a white box space and invite brands to do activations in a way that they could bring together people and give them an experience. Quickly, it made me realize that um, there were a lot lot of costs involved um, and therefore I would only be able to work with larger brands. And then because of lockdown happening, it all got postponed, but it also meant that I started rethinking the concept and eventually landed on creating a multi-brand space and really focus on the new emerging brands that were not able to connect with consumers in real life just yet. Amazing. And we've had quite a few of the brands that you you sell in your shop on the podcast. We were saying about Midnight Pantry and lots of the, mo- the moth cans and stuff like that. So we know quite a few of them already, which is amazing. But could we talk a bit about your different additions? Because I noticed on your website, I think you've got seven now, haven't you? And then the celebration store, which we'll talk about. So talk to me about the different additions and how they differed and where they were. Yeah. Um, so essentially, we travel around London at this point. Um, we started out in Spitalfields where we hosted a 10-day pop-up. It was very much a trial edition where it was about bringing like-minded brands together, new to the market, giving them an opportunity to sell in real life where people could pick up one single item, not pay shipping fees, no multi-pack buying, Um, because essentially if you come across a new product, especially on social media, um, I was always like, oh, I want to try this. But at the same time, I don't want to purchase six cans of something that I've never tried before. 100%. So that was where we started out. And quickly it became clear that there was a lot of interest from the industry as well. Um, That being journalists, buyers from larger retail stores and investors, 
Um, so it then shifted from not just being a consumer pop-up, but also focusing on the industry that could bring value to the new emerging brands in terms of being discovered. Then fast forward, um, I quit my full-time job that I still had for the first pop-up I run. That must have been a lot of work, doing full-time work and then your first pop-up too. Yeah, I took about three weeks off to to run the store completely on my own. I had a few friends coming in around lunchtime so I could at least grab some food. Yeah. Um, but after that, I was just like, it's now now the right time to keep going because there was some momentum and there was interest from other brands to join in. So I then quit my job. I opened the second pop-up in September 2021. That one hosted over 100 brands in um, on King's Road in Chelsea. And again, it was like just out of lockdown, which meant that people at that point were not uh, wearing masks anymore. We could host events, we could do tasting sessions. That must sessions. have been such an amazing moment for you because I guess all your products, people want to get involved and try them and sort of test them out. And with masks, obviously that's so restricted. So once that was lifted, that must have been so 100%. good for your business. Yeah, that was a lot of fun and very different to um, welcoming people with a mask on and not being able to see their full faces. Definitely. Um, and then we went on to host another four stores. Um, we've been on Regent Street. We've been in Covent Garden. We've been back to Spitalfields where um, we hosted a summer store this earlier this year. And then we... Just about three weeks ago, closed um, our latest pop-up, which was in Seven Dials. Um, and it's always been around emerging food, drink, wellness, beauty brands. And the approach of the pop-ups um, is kind of unique in the sense that we set them up, where we pick a specific color per edition and a font as well, where uh, we try to basically tie in with the local area and the season as well to really make sure that we kind of, we look like a permanent store rather than a pop-up. So we put a lot of effort in the fit out and kind of the decoration, the way we communicate it as well. Definitely, yeah, because I saw on your Instagram, it's very like aesthetically pleasing, all your stores and the interiors. I feel like that's so well thought out, which is lovely. And then we have to talk about your celebration store because this is very exciting. So tell us about the celebration store and why you decided to set it up. Yeah, it's kind of because um, we were chatting to Coldrop Yards about a potential pop-up, but we struggled to find a time frame to make it work earlier in the year. Um, and then the opportunity came about to do a Christmas activation, essentially. And it then landed on a celebration store where we basically bring together brands that we've had in the past eight pop-ups now. And it's really celebrating their success and what they've achieved over the last two years. Because we, um, for example, we will have Bold Bean Co., Simply Roasted, Moth Cocktails, um, Perfect Tad. Like they, they come back to us because they initially launched um, as a first retail experience with us in their early days. And now we want to bring them together again to really celebrate what they've achieved over the last last 24 months definitely and I feel like that is literally the perfect Christmas shopping have a little wonder try some stuff out and we were saying earlier it's so nice when you actually know something about the product that you're gifting because then it's exciting mm -hmm. you can explain oh we tried it and thought you would love it because you might really enjoy that store especially and also why did you think Cold Drop Shard why was that the best place to launch your celebration store what was it about down here that you loved I think Cold Drop Yards is very much like a curated 
destination, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of different innovative uh, stores. They're all unique in their own way. Um, and I felt like we're, we're two in terms of uh, the brands that we bring together. Um, and it's a very kind of like destination area where you browse, you can meet up for brunch and go for a stroll after around the area. And it's just a lot on offer in terms of different uh, food, drink, um, beauty spaces even. So I think that's kind of a ties in with what we stand for as well. Yeah, I feel like people down here are going to absolutely love the store because I feel <laughs> like people come for a nice wander with like friends or family and often you don't even know what you're looking for and that's beauty of it. You stumble across something and end up going home with presents for everyone, totally. which is so good. <laughs> so let's talk a bit more about the behind the scenes stuff because I imagine setting up Ray was a lot of work back then and still is. And I know you have some stats on your website. So you've set up eight pop-up stores, over 450 brands showcased, 280 plus sampling sessions and 70 plus events. I mean, that's a lot of work <laughs> and a lot of stuff you've done in that short time. So what goes on behind the scenes day to day to make Ray what it is? Um, well, first of all, I think it, it comes down to surrounding yourself with the right people, um, which is something I learned from the very start. Um, we now work with design, like a design duo for all the graphic work. We have an interior designer. We have contractors to set up the space. Um, we have a PR agency that helps us bring um, the stores to life from a social and, and press point of view. So I think working with the same team for every store, it really helps kind of make it efficient because a lot of the time we're only, op well, we're only agreeing a space about four to six weeks out of opening. And therefore we need to very much be on hand and like go, go, go as soon as we, we sign um, a location. So there's a lot in, like prep work going on, but at the same time, there's almost a blueprint that we've created. So now it's repeating, but still making it unique per edition that we host. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without the people that I, I have part of um, the execution, because there is definitely a lot that goes into it when it comes to organizing sampling sessions, communicating with brands, hosting events and promoting them. Yeah. For sure. And it must be so satisfying when it all comes together. That moment when everything's in place and you're about to open the doors, how are you feeling? Are you like, yes, or are you like, oh, now the customer's <laughs> coming and this is scary as well? It's always, it's very much like a mixed feeling because she was such like on like high adrenaline, uh, making sure that everything is, is ready on time. Usually we have about three days before we open a store, like we take keys and then three days set up and then we open um, so it, it most of the time it feels a bit rushed, but then when we host our first kind of launch event, that almost like that weight falls off your shoulders because, okay, we're here, we're open, we're up and running, um, which is an extremely, yeah, great feeling because um, usually we host like an opening event for all the founders and team members to come and see the space and really that energy that is in the room on such an event it's just incredible because in the end, like we work with brands that are very new to the market. Most of the time it's a solo founder or maybe two people. And for them to be part of a community is what we hear is such of such great value because they have people to chat to and ask questions and kind of like share their challenges with. Um, so yeah, it's a mix of being very proud, but at the same time, 
everything needs to fall into place right before we open the doors. Yeah, I imagine you're always thinking of so many things at once. It's a lot, but so rewarding too. So speaking of being rewarding, what would you say is one of the most rewarding parts of your job? I think connecting with the brands and the founders behind the brands. Um, that is something that at the very like starting point, um, I was most excited about in terms of being able to connect with those people, hearing the stories about the brand, how they got started, what their vision is. Um, and that is still one of the things that I appreciate the most in terms of constantly connecting with new brands. Now brands reach out to us to find out more and get involved. Um, but I think being a founder myself, there's so much value in that personal relationship. And one of the things that I'm almost like scared of is if we like as and when we grow I don't want to lose that personal relationship with the people behind the brands very often I, I say this all the time when people come in the space and they see products on the shelves when I look at our shelves I actually see people because I know the person really behind nice to put it, yeah. the product yeah and how do you choose those products in the first place because I imagine obviously there are so many products out there but you're speaking about your personal connection with them so is it something that you would look to buy yourself and that's how you what, what sort of like process do you go to deciding what to stock in store um it started with kind of like brands that I came across on Instagram mostly and still um that is the case in terms of sourcing new new brands um it very much comes down to innovation but we also check um, ingredient lists in terms of no artificials no palm oils trying to stay away from added refined sugars. So essentially the products that we have on our shelves are in that better for you category. Um, and then we also look at packaging design because people in the end shop with their eyes. And if something doesn't stand out or doesn't look appealing, um, it won't be picked up from a shelf. So there's no like strict rules, but it's definitely around innovation and um, kind of the new different products before they go off and list, get listings in larger retailers, essentially. Yeah. And then we've spoken about what's rewarding to you, but what is the most challenging part of your job on the other side? Um, it's probably location sourcing. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, for us, like in, in the early days, when we just got out of lockdown, it was very easy to find strong, like high street, high footfall units uh, that we could rent for a short period of time. Because the pop-ups, they each run for about four weeks. But now brands and companies are more likely to commit to long-term leases, which means that we're kind of pushed out. Um, so I always feel lucky when we find a location that almost like fits between two longer-term leases. And therefore, I put a lot of time into building relationships with different landlords, keeping them up to date um, and really try and stay on the radar as and when there is a location that becomes available um, and there's no one else immediately moving in. So yeah, location sourcing is definitely one of the most time-consuming and I guess stressful uh, parts of what I look after. I can imagine, but I feel like you've managed to kind of get the most iconic places in London, like Seven Dars, Fitterfields here, like those are all such amazing spaces and places to be. So I think you've smashed it, to be honest. Thank you. <laughs> We're very specific in terms of where we want to be, for sure. Yeah, that's so important. And then reflecting back, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way? Um, I think not overthink 
because there's always challenges that come up. There's always um, problems that occur, but I always, I have this mindset of there's always a solution. Um, so yes, it might, might be upsetting or frustrating um, when, for example, fridges arrive late or um, we have been dealing with several leaks in different locations where we had to change our kind of like workshop approach. Um, but there's always a solution to any problem that comes up. I like that. That's a good way to think. That's a good way to be. And then future plans then. So obviously you've got your celebration store opening on the 7th of December. What else do you have in the works? What else is coming up? Or is it just focusing on that? Because obviously that is in itself a big project. At this point, it's very much all hands on deck for the opening on, on Thursday, the 7th. Um, for next year, I think we're going to take a moment to reflect on what we have done to date, really take the learnings. Um, what we always do is a brief survey with brands when we close an edition to understand what have what has been good for them, where can we improve, what can we do different, what other support services can we provide to them. Because as you mentioned, we've worked with over 450 brands to date, which is a lot of people, but it's also a community where brands have similar needs, similar challenges, and therefore we're looking at how can we be a part of their journey um, in more detail than just the pop-ups. We still will continue doing the pop-ups, but there's so much more that we want to provide in terms of support services for the brands that we've hosted in the past stores. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And then a question that we ask everyone on the podcast is, what is the one book, or it could be a film, an exhibition, a product, or yeah, just anything creative that someone wanting to get into perhaps setting up their own business or maybe food or wellness should consume? What's your like go-to recommendation? <laughs> so I'm a big podcast fan, actually. Lovely. So um, I would definitely go down that route in terms of listening to stories of other people, other founders, other experts in their field. Uh, there's two podcasts that I listen to um, almost weekly as soon as an episode goes live. One is called People Doing Things by Ed Little. Um, he also has his own honey brand called The Honey Project. Um, and he brings on founders of different brands, smaller brands, but also larger brands. And they share their experience, like real, real experiences in terms of the challenges, um, the ops essentially yeah. that they've had in the past and then uh, another podcast is called hungry by dan pope um where again like he focuses a lot on food and drink and he has founders um of various like large almost like international um for example pret has been on there um but also smaller brands that he hosts to share their stories and um kind of like learnings and I always take some kind of like knowledge from those podcasts and it's an easy way to listen and consume knowledge on the go as well. Definitely I feel like I'm not a very good reader I get very distracted <laughs> so I've recently a bit late to the game but I've come into listening to loads of podcasts and I feel like it's just such a different way to consume it and it actually stays like I retain the totally. information a lot better so I'm gonna have to check those two out add them to the list. And then where is the one place in King's Cross, obviously apart from your celebration store that's coming up, that everyone should check out and why? So one place I love to go to, and I almost go there every single time I visit Cultural Piards, is um, Kitchen Provisioners. 
just because there's so much like independent, nice, new, new bits to discover. Um, the way they set up the space and obviously the wall of all the knives, the Japanese yeah. knives that they, they so have. Cool. Um, so I think, yeah, that's definitely a place to go um, when people visit. And I also love um, the male fashion brand, The Strange, in terms of their fit out and the design and the minimalistic approach and kind of the eco-friendliness that they um, had in mind when they built this specific cultural art location. Um, so yeah, a big fan of that. And it's definitely worth visiting and checking out what they've done. Checking them out. I feel like you can never get bored down here. There's always a new shop to discover <laughs> or it's so nice when I ask that question because everyone has such different answers, but for such good reasons. So it's lovely. And then just to finish, what is your social media or your website? Where can people get in touch and find out more about what you do? So our website is weareray.com and Ray with an E at the end. Um, our social media handle uh, is we are Ray, and we are most active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So that's where you You've can You've got a lovely us. Instagram account. It's so <laughs> aesthetically pleasing, like I said. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me.